Hi, y'all. I'm Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. And it does. Hi, this is Shannon Kerfman, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hello, this is Brian Bassett of Fogat, and I, you are listening to Iron City Rock. Welcome to episode 61 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music. In episode 61, Eric had the opportunity to sit down with guitarist Brian Bassett. The name may not ring a bell, but Brian has had a long and illustrious career. He started with Wild Cherry, the band out of Pittsburgh that had that super huge hit, Play That Funky Music, White Boy went on to play with the likes of Molly Hatchet and is the current guitarist of Foghat. Now, Foghat will be coming to Altoona this weekend on Saturday, August 7th to play the Railroaders Museum show. That show starts at 8 o'clock up in Altoona. You can get more information at foghat.net on the exacts on that. But we really wanted to sit down with Brian, uh, kind of a local product that made good, and learn a little bit more about his career as a professional musician. So Eric had the chance to do it, and we jumped on it. So before we get into the interview... We're going to play a song from the new 2010 release from Foghat. This is called 495 Boogie, and then we'll get into the interview.
On the line, we have Brian Bassett, currently a fog hat, but with a long resume beyond fog hat or before fog hat. Brian has, uh, among other among other things, uh, been part of Wild Cherry and also Molly Hatchet. Uh, he's also a, a local Pittsburgh native, which we will get into in a, in a little while, uh, being in local bands such as Airborne. And um, he has uh, produced numerous albums and recorded alongside a uh, very long list of artists. So um, anyway, without any further ado, Brian, how are you today? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you doing? Oh, great, great. It's it's great. We appreciate talking to you. You taking the time to to talk to us, and uh, I know that you're going to be coming to uh, our area um, in a couple. Uh, I believe it's uh, the end of the week. So that's right. Looking, yeah, I'm looking, really looking forward to it. I'm going to have a lot of friends and family there from Pittsburgh, so it's going to be a fun time. Absolutely. Now, uh, what what part of town are you from, Brian? Uh, right, right in the city, uh, Greenfield, actually, just up from the where the old steel mills were. Oh wow! Okay, very good. Uh, how long did you live there, or when did you when did you leave town? I, I actually spent most of my life there. I didn't leave until uh, in my thirties. Um, so I, you know, I had my whole early musical career there. Went to school there, and uh, you know, so I'm definitely a, a Pittsburgher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm somewhat familiar with Greenfield. I used to be down there at times. So uh, that's that's uh, it's great to have a. You know, some people who've who've risen as far as you have uh, coming from Pittsburgh in the music industry. Yeah, it's it's uh, even better to talk to one of them. So. It was a it was a really great time. Uh, you know, the '70s in particular were a really great musical uh, time in Pittsburgh. There was a lot of original bands and um, a lot of clubs to play. So it was a great place to learn up to grow up and uh, learn my craft. Absolutely, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of those clubs aren't around anymore, but. Uh, Seems that in the last couple of years, some of them are coming back into the fore, which is which is great. You know, but you know, so many of them have have now been shuttered or turned into you know car dealerships or what have you. So, but yeah, uh, hopefully, we'll, I mean, it was such a hotbed of a live music you know activity. Then you could really go out almost any night of the week and catch a live band. Right. Yeah, that's those those really were the days. I, I they kind of predate me, but I can remember you know 15 mm-hmm. years later or so that I was able to do do much of the same and. Uh, yeah, it just isn't as isn't as available as it once was, unfortunately. But uh, hopefully, it'll come back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, like uh, when you were in the Pittsburgh area, you know, you obviously um, your your big claim to fame locally was with uh, with Wild Cherry uh, when you when you uh, you know came out with the play that fun- funky music uh, hit, which you know obviously got huge. And uh, was Donnie Iris in there with you also, or was he out yeah, of Donnie Wild Cherry? Donnie was actually my replacement when I left after the third album. Uh, oh, okay. He came after you, right? I see. Okay. And then um, also, I know there was there was Airborne. I vaguely remember Airborne. I think from like the the '80s. You know, when I was kind of growing up. Um, and it seems like they're they're still uh, active today with Jeff Jimerson and well, those yeah, guys. Yeah. And uh, it was such a great band, really. The musicianship in that band was really spectacular. Um, you know, unfortunately, we never garnished a record deal out of it, although we tried quite hard and. Went to uh, Miami. In fact, we were having some recordings produced by Felix Papillardi, who uh, you know produced Cream and was, of course, the bass player in Mountain. So we were trying our hardest, but uh, nothing really ever worked out. But I know that uh, George Marcinko, Jeff, and uh, Jack Marzalski, you know, went back to Pittsburgh as a trio and, and continued to play for some years. And of course, Jeff is uh, quite famous now for his national anthem uh, renditions at the Penguins game. Right, right. Yeah, from what I could see now, you you did have some original tunes, I guess, when you were in Airborne. We did, but, you know, we of course we played uh, you know several hours in the club, so we had a, a long list of cover material that we played, but we also played you know several sets of original material as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's, I was looking at Airborne's website a few days ago, and it looked like predominantly they they, they advertise themselves as as being able to you know perform covers for various events and and so on. But I'm sure they bring out the original stuff at times too. I would imagine. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure what the, the the guys have written you know past the period that I was with them, but you know at the time uh, you know we had uh, actually three guitar players going because our lead singer Gary Hummond also played, I played, and, and uh, George was in there. So we did a lot of guitar harmony things. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly how you would, you know, classify the style of music we played, but I think it was, you know, sort of in the progressive range. It was, you know, we did a lot of sticks covers, and uh, you know, we we could pretty much cover, you know, almost any classic rock band that we attempted. Uh, we had, you know, Jeff sing fantastic, so did Gary. So we would do everything from Kansas uh, Journey songs, and you know, we could pretty much run the gamut. So it was, a, you know, it was a really excellent band to, to play in, and. Uh, you know, I wish I had some recordings of those things. You know, I think I keep every once in a while I'll find an old cassette and try to reclaim it. But you know, we don't really have too many great tapes of the original material back then. But it was certainly a, you know a great learning experience. Oh yeah, absolutely great. You know, great range of uh, of music to check out and and uh, perform. Now, uh, if you could talk a little bit about your Molly Hatchet days too, I I uh, have seen them perform. I don't know. I don't think you were in them when I. Saw, well, no, you might have been. Um, but it was a it was a really enjoyable experience. I remember that. Yeah, well, once again, that's, you know, that was a great guitar band. Um, you know, we did a lot of guitar harmony work, and the uh, the arrangements were you know complicated, but a lot of fun to perform. And um, I spent, I guess, almost seven years with uh, with Molly Hatchet and did three albums with them. And we played Pittsburgh several times. Down, the, you know, we did the uh, the icy light tent down at uh, at the rivers, you know, several times, and mm-hmm. we played several other venues around town. Yeah, I saw Molly Hatchet at the West Warren County Fair, and I, I think it was in like maybe 2002. And I don't, I don't think you were in them then. I, I came in. Uh, me, I'm trying to remember. I guess it was probably like yeah, about, about 92 to 99. You know, I played with them. Um, yeah, so you, you know, it's hard to say, but you know, what <laughs> if you saw me or not? But uh, you know, we, I spent all, close to seven, eight years with the band. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, we move on to to your. Uh, your current uh, position with Foghat, and uh, can you talk a little bit about how that all came about, and uh, what's what's going on with the band today? Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, well actually, you know, I actually played with Lonesome Dave Peverett, uh, who I met in uh, Orlando, Florida, here while I was working as an engineer producer at a uh, studio, King Snake Records, which was a predominantly a blues roots label. And Dave was a huge blues fan. I was introduced to him by Pat Travers, who's a good friend. Um, who brought him up to? I had a blues quartet down here called Blue House, and uh, we did a lot of old Excello blues uh, covers. And I, so I met Dave, who was a huge blues fan, and jammed with him. And, and I actually played with him for four years prior to my joining Molly Hatchet. So that's exactly how I got introduced to the Fogat camp. Um, at the end of '92, uh, uh, Rick Rubin, the famous producer, um, you know, got the, all the original members of Fogat back together to try to do a comeback album. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, I ended up leaving uh, Lonesome Babe at that point. Um, we had just finished a European tour with Molly Hatchet where I met those guys, and so I basically got, a, you know, got off Dave's tour bus and uh, joined Molly Hatchet right after, you know, at that point. Um, and, and went on, and actually the original Foghat members all played together for, you know, till 1999 when uh, Lonesome Babe became ill with uh, cancer and yeah. subsequently passed away. Um, and during that period, Rod Price uh, retired from the band, the original guitarist, and um, and actually Dave. Well, I guess it was '99. You know, Dave had was in remission from his illness and wanted to start touring again, and he asked me to come back when Rod didn't want to go out on the road. 
so I uh, left Molly Hatchet and uh, joined Foghead at that point and played for nearly a year with Dave until his mm-hmm. passing. Um, then I actually went back to and did one more album with Molly Hatchet after that because you know Foghat was sort of in disarray after Dave's death. Uh, but uh, after about a year, um, we had a lot of fan interest, you know, in us coming back and uh, you know continuing the legacy. And we found a great singer in Charlie Hune, who was a uh, sang uh, with Ted Nugent for several years in Humble Pie. Mm-hmm. And um, and really finding Charlie, someone who could you know actually perform Lonesome Dave's material, um, was the the key to us reforming. Um, and we came back, and, and we've been doing this steady now for uh, 10 years, you know, in this uh, current context. And it's been, you know, the band's been great. We have a great uh, chemistry and just carrying on the Foghead tradition. And uh, we've released several albums over this period, and uh, we just had a new release that, that's doing quite well. It's a blues-oriented release called Last Train Home. So that's our current record, and um, we're really excited about how it's doing. And so we're touring in support of that and uh, trying to get it out to our friends and family. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really yeah. I've not had I have had a chance to listen to the album and it and it is just solid, you know, blues to the core. And I know there's some original songs, but covers of of uh, quite a few standards too. Uh, but you guys broke, you know, definitely breathe fresh life into those those standards. I mean, you know, any, anybody can just cover those things, but I mean, you guys definitely made them your own and made them sound really good. So, oh, well, I appreciate um, that. You know, I've not really purchased the album, but I record. And uh, you know, we. It was something that's been on the band's mind for some years to do a blues-oriented record. Of course, you know it's not a big stretch for Foghat being a you know a blues rock band, and the, and the original blues music was a big influence on all the early Foghat records. But uh, we all chose a couple songs that we liked, and um, you know, and recorded them. Uh, you know, I did most of the engineering. We did it uh, half the record in New York at Eco Studios, and the uh, second half in what we call Boogie Motel South, which is our rehearsal uh space uh, we have a big house down here in central florida that we gather you know we go all uh, gather there at the end of the year and get out of the guys get out of the snow that live up north and we rehearse <laughs> and uh, record and write uh, down there and so it was a very comfortable relaxing sessions i just set up some uh, mics and and we played uh, the songs that we loved and it you know just turned out really great you know i just like recording in that kind of a relaxed atmosphere Definitely, yeah. I, I have not uh, purchased the album yet, but I plan on it. And I, I haven't had a chance to look at like who produced it. Did you actually produce it too? I know you have a long resume doing production too. I did actually. Yeah, I mean, well, the band, you know, as far as production, we generally list the Foghead projects as band produced, which you know everybody has the input into the overall, uh, you know, style of the album and what we're going to record and all that. So we, the, the production is as a band, you know, effort. But I did all the engineering, mixing, mastering, so I did all the technical aspects of the record. Yeah, and that's unique that, uh, you know, in addition to having a, a talented guitarist, you also have the in-house uh, producer and engineer available. That's that's definitely a unique position to be yeah, in, too. Right. They work me hard, man. I need more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> ask for a raise. <laughs> everyone, everyone else is having a cold beer, and I'm, on, I'm in there with my face on a computer editing, so, yeah. But no, actually, it's uh, you know it's, it's it's a pleasure for me to do it. I really enjoy it. It's uh, you know outside of playing guitar, it's what I do you know otherwise, and uh, I always have been interested in that side of things. I did a lot of the early recordings, with, you know, all the way back to Airborne, and I always was the guy sitting next to the engineer in the studio figuring out what he was doing. So it's always been an interest of mine, and and it does make it uh, easy for us to do the you know these kind of projects by ourselves. Sure. Aside from Foghat, uh, I know you've produced a bunch of other bands' albums. What what were some of your favorite ones? What were some of the highlights of of your like your production career? 
Well, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, I spent nearly 15 years working for Kingsnake label, which was, uh, you know, we were a production house uh, as well as a small label. And our aim was to find up-and-coming blues artists and, uh, and try to move them up the, the food chain. If we could, you know, we'd record the album and try to get it on the biggest label that we could. And if, you know, and if that didn't succeed, we had our own label with distribution. Um, some of my favorite artists uh, that we discovered really were uh, Kenny Neal, who's quite a, a big artist in the blues um, mm -hmm. community. Uh, he was a Louisiana artist that we did, um, I think, five or six of his first albums and uh, that we were able to place on Alligator Records. Um, we did uh, a Hugh Taylor album, which was an interesting album. We recorded both of James Taylor's uh, brothers, uh, his younger brother, Hugh, who sings very much like James, and his older brother, Alex, Taylor, uh, who was a rhythm and blues artist, and you know, quite sang great, and but quite different than James. And James Taylor participated on both those records, so that was a lot of fun for me to you know be involved with and meet someone of his stature. Um, Lucky Peterson, one of the best keyboard players in the world, and also a fabulous guitarist, another great uh, bluesman that we uh, did their his first three or four albums, and also ended up on Alligator Records. And uh, I produced a band uh, from Central Florida called Smokehouse, which was very old school, what I would call Excello uh, styled blues, which, you know, is very particular, the sound and the way you record it to uh, the southeastern part of the, of, uh, the United States, which is something we specialized in at King Snake. Um, can, can, you talk you know, about, can you talk about that? What's it called? I'm sorry. Oh, Excello is an old blues label from, you know, the 40s, 50s that uh, oh, okay. had artists like uh, Lazy Lester, Lightning Slim. And it's all sort of like a folk country blues, you know, is the style of it. Um, and those days, the recordings are actually quite primitive, and a lot of times don't even have a bass guitar. They just have, a, and hard of it, you know, some of them don't even have drums. It's just someone playing with sticks on a on a guitar case or a box. So it's it's almost like folk blues, but it is you know electric guitar, and it has a very particular sound with the reverbs and and uh, you know it's a, it's a very interesting um, recording style. And the label was called Excello, so we always refer to it to that, you know, that, that sound as uh, being their sound. And, uh, and being in the southeast here in Florida where I am, we uh, drew a lot of artists from Louisiana and Mississippi and, you know, that part of the, the world that are carrying on that tradition, and we tried to record as much of that as we could. Sure. How do you spell it? Is it E-X-C-E-L-O? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it might be double L, e x uh, yeah, C E double L like cello, you know. Mix, but, yeah, but yeah, it's very uh, you know some great songs on there. In fact, we uh, recorded a couple albums with Lazy Lester, who is one of the the original artists from that label uh, for Mike Vernon's label over in England. Who is you know Mike Vernon is the great blues producer that did all the John Mayo albums and the early Savoy Brown albums. You know, one of the biggest blues producers in England, who was mm -hmm. also a big fan of that style of music. So we found uh, Lazy Lester, brought him to our studio, and he was a harmonica specialist and played on you know a lot of other people's uh, albums that you know also sang and so we that was a great project we did that and I got to meet Mike Vernon one of my heroes mm -hmm. has um has Foghead ever I know Foghead early on uh, back in the 60s you know did work with Kim Simmons from Savoy Brown and I think some of the other folks too um has that ever happened again or you know just a, a one off thing or anything like that? It has actually several times. You know, of course Falkett came from Savoy Braun, you know, the Lonesome Dave, Roger Earl and uh Tony Stevens were the uh three of the members well, along with Ken Simmons uh that formed Savoy Brown and they you know when they left uh Kim they uh, to start Falkett they added uh Rod Price 
um, on Sly Guitar, and that became Foghat. But over the years, we've you know run into Kim all the time. He's he's still out there playing, sounding fantastic, and and uh, you know I think we played in Switzerland with him a couple times, and we've run into him in California several times, and uh, up in New York. So you know whenever we do have jam sessions occasionally, and it's you know it's always fun to see him and run into him. Yeah, he's definitely a very high energy player and uh, very enjoyable to listen to, also. Sure, absolutely, and you know, and a big influence on you know me as an American guitarist interested in uh, you know blues rock. I was heavily influenced by the British invasion guitarists, and Savoy Brown certainly was one of those key bands, um, along with all the male you know guitarists, you know Eric Clapton and uh, uh, Peter Green, and you know the early Fleetwood Mac stuff, and you know that that was huge influence on me as a player. So it's you know really a pleasure to meet Kim. Definitely. Now, you've played with lots of bands over the years. Aside from Foghat right now, I know you're having a great time with them, and that's great to hear. Uh, who who are some of your other favorite bands you've played with or people you've you've uh, done session or live work with? I see there's a very long list in your uh, resume there. Yeah, I, you know, I've done so many records over the years. Um, but I, I really enjoyed meeting and performing with some of the original blues artists uh, as uh, when I was engineering at Kingsnake, we actually uh, had a couple bands there. I had a quartet named Blue House, and that was a four-piece. But we also had a band called the Midnight Creepers, which you know had various members. But at times, we were basically a big band, and it was all our session guys that we used for recordings. We would get together, and we had a huge horn section and a, two keyboard players, two guitarists, you know, harmonica, bass, drums. So that was a uh, huge band, and we used to open up uh, a lot of. Florida, you know, Florida area, and actually I'll up and down the East Coast uh, at blues festivals. So we got to play and meet, um, you know, John. We opened for Johnny Hooker. You know, I actually played with Bo Diddley a couple shows, and uh, you know, and and actually on our new album, um, you know, uh, Eddie Kirkland guest stars on a couple tracks there. You know, one of the last original guys still out there touring at 86 years of age. So, you know, and he's still singing and playing great, and it was an honor to have him on our new record. And uh, so to meet those the, the first generation bluesmen is you know something very special to me. Yeah, absolutely. That those that's just a treasure, national treasure that uh, is unfortunately dying off and can never be replaced. So to have... exactly, you know, and it's uh, you know, and the uh, Foghat in the seventies did a blues tribute show up in the Palladium uh, in New York, and it was actually a, a fundraiser to fund a blues wing of the New York Library, and, and at, at that show. Of course, I wasn't there. That was the, all the original guys. But uh, you know, Muddy Waters was there, Johnny Hooker, Otis Blackwell, and Eddie Kirkland, and uh, Johnny Winters, Paul Butterfield. They were all part of that show. And although it was never commercially released, it's you can find it uh, pretty easy. Clips from that show um, all over YouTube and stuff, stuff like that. But you know, that was always a highlight in Dave's career. And you know, Roger still says that it was a highlight, you know, for him as well to to perform with them because they were essentially the backing band for all those guys. Sure, and, uh, and really, that's you know that's the basis of Foghat's music is you know the is blues and the English guys just turned it up and rocked it out a little bit, but it's you know really the core of all that kind of music. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, uh, what are you listening to right now? What's in your iPod or in your tape deck or whatever? Well, I'll tell you what, it's funny. You know, you know, I have three kids, and so they keep me abreast of a lot of new music, and I try to keep you know listening to what I can to uh, see what's going on in the world. But uh, actually, my favorite album of the last two years was uh, Modest Mouse. I love that band. And uh, Johnny Mars uh, was the guitar player on the uh, album that I particularly like. Originally uh, from the Smiths? 
from the Smiths, right? And he just, you know, he does a lot of great solo work and plays with several bands. Um, but yeah, I'm a big Modest Mouse fan. Um, I like Arcade Fire. You know, they're sort of kicking it old school. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's a new band out there. I was just reading an interesting article on how they uh, produced a record, which was you know analog tape, and they actually mastered to vinyl. So you know, they're sort of doing it in a retro mode as far as production. So that's pretty interesting. Oh yeah. Those are two things I'm listening to. Uh, you know, right now I'm a huge Peter Gabriel fan, so my iPod has pretty much all of his records on there. But and uh, and he always, you know, his records are immaculate. So I love listening to them from a you know a musical and production standpoint. Right. Oh sure, that's great. And then I have all my favorite guitarists. I was a huge Peter Green fan. Yeah, uh, early Fleetwood Mac and his work with Mail and. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the songs that I picked to cover on our new CD was uh, "So Many Roads, So Many Trains," which was written by uh, Otis Rush, an old blues song. But um, the version we do is actually a take on John Mayall's version of it, with Peter Green playing guitar. Which he—it's just a fabulous track. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, and it had the uh, his version had a horn section on it, which I sort of covered with guitar overdubs, you know, playing the horn chart, but. Um, I just loved, you know, he just plays spectacular leads on there, and that's I pretend I'm Peter Green when I play that song. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why it's on our CD. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a Peter Green moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, well, very good. Well, um, well, Brian, we want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to give us this interview and uh, out of your busy schedule, and uh, we just. Uh, Want to remind everyone of the concert at, at the uh, Altoona Railroaders Museum coming up this uh, what is it this Saturday? Saturday, at, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Altoona. Well, like I said, so. I'm really excited to play. It's the closest we're getting to Pittsburgh this year so far, and uh, so I'm going to have a uh, a whole caravan of people coming up from the Berg to uh, hang out in Altoona, and I have several cousins in the Altoona area as well, so it's going to be a lot of fun for me personally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it should be should be a real good show. Okay, well, thank you again for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, hopefully we can uh, catch up with you again. All right, Eric, pleasure.
home off the new album from fog hat entitled last train home so again they'll be playing in altoona august 7th that's saturday at the railroaders museum you can find more information on the show out at foghat.net want to thank brian for taking the chance to come on the show you can find more information about us out at www.ironcityrocks.com all the other sites are essentially slash Iron City Rocks is twitter slash iron city rocks etc we're on facebook myspace youtube all the important social networking sites. So we want to thank you for coming and uh, giving our show a listen. If you like it, we invite you to come back or use our contact link on our website. Also, I want to direct you to a new blog that we've started so you can kind of get inside our mind a little more than we tend to do on the show. So we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you come back. Thank you. (laughs) 